Love Talk Radio. to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode 13. And what would you know? In episode 13, we would have the shaky, shaky debacle to start things out by way of some goofiness. Uh, Totally my fault. Totally, totally my fault. I owe a huge apology to the guys. I'm trying to bring them in now. Uh, totally my fault. I had some stuff come up. This is, I am Michael Miles, co-editor of Redbird Rant. I want to say thank you to Josh and to Tito, my guests joining me tonight, who have been patiently waiting on me. Tito, are you there? Yes, sir. How's it going? Well, I'd be good if I were on time, right? <laughs> no worries. Let's. I'm ready to get going. And Josh, are you with us? I am indeed. All right. Well, we are in the midst of recording live right now. So it's always fun when you get to hear some goof up that happens on live recording. It's exactly what happened in this, the very unlucky episode number 13. So what we need to do to get things kicked off is just to say thank you to anybody who's with us listening live. Again, sorry, sorry for the mishap. Uh, if, if I went into detail and told you what was happening, you all would just laugh me off of the radio. So let me just say that I had to go get our donkeys, and that took a little bit longer than ex- So, guys, let's jump in. Let's talk about a recap of the Marlin series. Uh, split the series. What does it mean? What were some of the takeaways that you saw? Were you satisfied or dissatisfied? You know, And do you think that um, – the Cardinals may still be considering some of the outfielders from the Marlins. Uh, let's start with you, Tito. What, what do you think? What were your takeaways from the Marlins series, splitting the series? Sure. Well, you know, guys, I'll just be frankly really honest with this. I'm actually pretty disappointed and, and pretty dissatisfied with how the series ended up going. I mean, you, you talk about a team that has – had won four of six against the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Washington Nationals. And, and coming into the rest of this homestand, you look at teams like the Mets and the Marlins, you're thinking, hey, we might have a sh- chance of, you know, pulling out at least, uh, you know, at least five more wins over this homestand to, to really put us in a good spot heading into the All-Star break. And they started out well. They won the first game, but then dropped the middle two and then salvaged the series uh, series split here today, but I, I gotta be honest. I mean, I'm I'm really really disappointed. Now, granted, the the Marlins have a really really good offense. I mean, look at what Marcelo Zuna did. Look at what John Carlos Stanton did. Look at what Christian Yelich did. Ironically, all of them outfielders, but their pitching is not that good. And the Cardinals should have been able to take care of this series. Should have won three of the four 
probably should have swept like they did in Miami and really put us in a good spot going into this weekend series against the Mets. I actually predicted that the Cardinals would go 7-3 and three in this 10-game uh, homestand, and I was feeling really great about that prediction after Washington, but them losing two to the Marlins just pretty much shot it to pieces. And for me to be correct on my prediction, the Cardinals have to win the next three games. They had to win today, obviously, but they took care of that, so the next three are very important. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not as disappointed as Tito. I'm a little disappointed that we split, but you know, splitting series isn't the worst thing in the world. It, we're in a position where we need to win, and coming off the National Series and the Diamondback Series, it's it's a little disheartening that we couldn't take three or four. But it's not the worst thing in the world because it's not like those teams in front of us are impressing anybody that much right now. Um, I think that this team this team still has a shot at being 500 at the All-Star break, given that's going to require them to hand the Mets a couple spankings, but that's completely possible. The, the Mets are an injured team right now. They, they don't have a lot going for them. They have Jacob deGrom, one of their better pitchers, going Friday, but they have a lot of injuries, and I think that that is something the Cardinals can take advantage of. Um, but I think when it comes to – what you mentioned earlier with the Marlins outfield, it's interesting because I think the focus has shifted a bit. There's a lot more rumors about Giancarlo Stanton going around, which is exciting, but also a little confusing. Um, But that is something I brought up before. If they're willing to move Christian Yelich or Marcelo Zuna, why would they not be willing to move Giancarlo? Because clearly they're not trying to win and why keep that, why keep him around? Sure, it's going to cost a lot, but it shouldn't cost as much as people think because you've got to take on that salary. So that's an interesting one to think about. If they can bring in one of these Marlins outfielders, which is still a possibility, this team is not that far from being clear-cut buyers because the Central is not great. Um, I think that Giancarlo Stanton needs to be visited. I think that would be the exact thing this team needs in a monstrous three-hitter who could fill a huge gaping void in the middle of our lineup. I completely agree with you, Josh. I mean, it, isn't it funny that for weeks you didn't hear anything about the Cardinals and the Marlins, and all of a sudden when they start playing each other again, everything is just like, oh, well, here we go again. Here, What about Marcelo Zuna? What about Christian Yelich? And to your point, what about Giancarlo Stanton? And – the interesting thing about Stanton is that contract. I don't think anybody is denying that either, but it's so it's such a peculiar situation that the Cardinals would find themselves in if they were willing to go out and get a Giancarlo Stanton. And obviously that means some shifting around in the outfield for sure, and that's where I kind of get concerned because the way Tommy Pham's playing with Dexter Fowler on the way back, Something's got to give, right? I mean, Piscotty is going to be a Cardinal. He signed that big, long extension. You would have to think that either Tommy Pham or Randall Gritchick would go in a trade, but are you willing to move Piscotty to left field or put Giancarlo in left field? There's a lot of other things that go into this 
situation or this equation that I think people are kind of overlooking. And it's the same thing that, you know, we're, you know, we're talking about and we'll talk about a little bit later uh, with Josh Donaldson bringing him to the team and the pieces that you would have to move in that situation. So it, it is interesting, but I'm not too sure if anything is going to cement from that. I'm I'm all for, you know, if, if we got Giancarlo, move Piscotti to left. Yeah. Giancarlo has a cannon of an arm when he gets yeah, to yeah, use I it. Don't, I don't disagree I, on that, for sure. Um, but, you know, I think that that's one of those pipe dream things right now until things start to – start to kind of come together a little more. But I think that's something to keep in, in the in the minds of Cardinal fans. The, the question is, the Cardinals need to add a big bat to contend. Now, the obvious positions are the ones that, for the guys that seem to be rumored the most, and that's outfielder or third base. But the thing is, for the Cardinals, they have guys that have been kind of being successful at those positions, and Jed Jerko and Tommy Pham. So are you willing to move away from guys that have been successful to get those guys when you have more gaping holes, say, shortstop, where you could potentially make a big move? It's, it's a, there's a lot of moves that need to be made. This is, this is probably John Moselec's most important trade deadline that he's ever come across and might ever come across. This is a, this is a divide for the Cardinals right now. It's going to be interesting which way they go. Well, and to your point, let me jump in quickly, guys. You, you mentioned, Josh, this idea of upgrade at shortstop, and, and Moselec even made the comment that shortstop may be one of those positions that he's looking to upgrade. What What do you think about that, Tito? I mean, sure. I mean, you you – you thought you had your everyday shortstop in Aledmus Diaz. He hasn't panned out. His hitting has regressed. I mean, his defense has not been good at all either. So, sure, yeah, why not upgrade at your shortstop position? You know, it's interesting to see Paul DeJong play there and Alex Mejia. Um, DeJong, you know, played shortstop for uh, AAA Memphis. So... <laughs> It's almost like if John Mozeliak was expecting Aledmus Diaz to regress somewhat and putting him there because Dijon was a natural third baseman, I believe. And so it, it's, I find that interesting. Can Dijon be the everyday shortstop? You know, maybe. His bat's just not there, and maybe that's because he's young. But to upgrade at shortstop, you would really need to go out and get somebody that you know is a sure hand on the glove and, and can make plays up the middle of the field. The hitting doesn't need to be as as centered focused for me. It's more the defense that I would rather have at that point. So you know, Echeverria was would have been a good defensive shortstop, but that's that's what it, it is. What it is. Had the Royals not been doing so well, maybe even uh, Alcides Escobar would have been a great pickup there. But he, you know, he's going to be a free agent this next year. Um, but there are other names that could surface in the next coming days. You know, I know a lot of people have said uh, Andrelton Simmons. He's not that great with the bat, but, I mean, he's regarded as the best shortstop or defensive shortstop in the game. So I, I don't mind the move, but I would rather focus the effort somewhere else. Shortstop what would you do, Josh? Position. Shortstop has become a, gone from a position that was 
very, very weak to having a lot of depth across the league. You have mm-hmm. some stars at shortstop now. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. Diaz has taken a step back. I'm not willing to give up on Diaz as a player yet, but Diaz is not a shortstop. I would like to hit for him to have a role on this team, but it's not as a shortstop. He doesn't have the mobility. The problem is acquiring a shortstop right now is going to cost a lot. And if mm-hmm. this team is going to make a move, I would prefer them get a three hitter that plays either third base or like left field or right field. If you're if you can get a good deal on an Andrelton Simmons, which seems unlikely because he's probably going to cost a pretty penny with his defensive ability and his his increase increase in offense lately. And unfortunately, with Hetcheveria already off of the Rays, he's kind of the only name that really sticks out right. anymore as a possibility across the league. Because when you factor in teams that are competing, they're not going to be moving their shortstop. And then there's teams that are struggling, but one of their positions that they're very solid at is shortstop. It's it's kind of a, a crazy change that we've seen, say, three or four years ago. Shortstop was kind of a barren, barren wasteland of talent. Now it is flourished between Lindor, Seager. I mean, it just goes Correa. on and on. He's, these guys are incredible. It's crazy how much the talent at shortstop has boomed lately. And 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 actually, one name to toss out there, and and it was tossed out on Twitter the other day, would be um, Elvis Andrews from the Texas Rangers. And he's getting up there in age, but the the Rangers actually have the same record as the St. Louis Cardinals, but find themselves only three point five games out of the wild card spot, the last wild card spot and about four games out of the first wild card spot. So, to me, if you were to go get Elvis Andrews, that means the Rangers would have had to have fallen off completely. But I'm not so sure that the Cardinals would want to invest in a shortstop like him, given his age and given how much money he's owed and his contract situation. So, again, I think Josh and I are kind of both in agreement here saying that Shortstop, you know, it probably isn't the position to upgrade when you have a talent like Delvin Perez in your farm system anyway. But we really think that the the trade or the focus on trade should be power bat either from your third baseman or your left fielder or right fielder. Well, I have to tell you, you I would be hard-pressed to disagree with you. You guys sum that up extremely well. You know, I I just want to see the team upgrade. I mean, can't we just all admit to that? We need to have an upgrade. And however that comes, I mean, I it's not my money, so I don't care how much I have to pay for it. Go get the upgrade. Whether that's at short, whether that's in right field or left field, whether that's at all, any or, or all of those positions, please, God, just go get the upgrade. And that's right. sort and of I how I feel about I, it. Yeah, and, and I think that's where the frustration is for a lot of Cardinals fans. Well, maybe just me right now, but I know there are some. But the four- to six-week evaluation thing, thats I just keep coming back to that and thinking, what? why? What did you possibly need to evaluate? You already know what was going on. You knew that the Cardinals were going to need this kind of a player. I mean, we've been saying it for the last month, right? So it, there wasn't, to me, there, that four- to six-week evaluation comment is a joke. 
and it was just to buy time to see where the team was going to end up, this team should have made a move already, in my opinion. But don't you think, you know, I, Tito, don't you think that that four- to six-week window was stated because Mosaic knew or had an inkling that there was this approaching promotion for himself and for uh, Gersh or Grish or however we're supposed to say his name? Gersh. Yeah, I, they, yeah. I mean, that's that's very possible, but at the same time, that he still has to do his job, right? You just don't abandon your job. Oh, and listen, I agree with you. And if anything, I've been very frustrated this year with management, and not just Mancini, who I oftentimes put a target on, and not just Mabry, who I oftentimes put a target on. You know, I was a, a big supporter of Mosaic until we got to this year, and I, I think he's been very slow on the trigger. You know, Josh, it's, you it's funny. It's it's funny where we are because, you know, how often do you see teams make that kind of move, of, of like Tito was saying, before, early on? I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's the occasional trade where it's just like, oh, wow, is this the beginning of, of kind of like the trade period. But you see that one, and then you just wait, and you wait, and you wait, and then there's a flurry of trades, right, like a day before the deadline, right into the deadline. The, it's hard to – it's hard – guys like Mosaic, they're smart. They know what they're doing, and they're not going to overpay for a guy, which it's odd, but you know that extra couple weeks could cost them – the difference between like their number 12 prospect and their number eight prospect. They have to be smart about it. And luckily for Mosaic, the team's playing a little better because if they weren't and they were still struggling, who knows where we would be right now. If this team wasn't very, very close to being 500 and still in the race, if this team was out of it in, in fans eyes, essentially there would be some, some people calling for some heads and it'd be, really hard-pressed to not make an intense move right around this time. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get it. I know that I knew that the Cardinals weren't going to make a move, and I, you know, I wrote a piece about his comments, and I even said it then. You know, teams don't make a move in June. It's almost unheard of, and, and that's to Josh's point. It's, it is just almost unheard of. So I wasn't expecting Mosaic to make a move then. I was expecting him to say, okay, this is what we're going for. I'm not waiting four to six weeks to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going, I wanted him to tell me, here is plan A. I'm going after it. I have a plan B and C, but I'm not going to tell you unless my plan A falls through. You know, it's interesting and that – the Cardinals have been so connected to Josh Donaldson lately because (laughs) if, if we could have avoided all of this, if the Cardinals would have made a push for the newest all-star, Justin Turner, if this team would have made the the push to sign him, where are we right now? We have our middle of the order bat right there. He's having an incredible season right now. You have Mm -hmm. to think that if we make a push for Justin Turner, we're in a different position right now. We're not talking about a bat. We're just talking about adding a couple pieces to the bullpen potentially, and we might be, you know, in a completely different position than we've been talking about the last couple weeks. 
I, the front office has to be thinking, man, we made a mistake, right, by not going after Justin Turner a little bit more aggressively. Yeah, and to your point, which I think is a very valid point, there is a caveat to that, and that is that we don't really know how aggressively the Cardinals went after Turner. We know they did not get him, and I don't – I mean, I, I'm sort of in the same boat, I think, with you guys, that I'm not really certain they went after him very strong at all or strongly at all. But we don't really know. Maybe they did, and maybe they aren't sitting in some back office saying, gosh, why didn't we do that? Maybe that's not the business of baseball. That being said, I tell you what, you know, we limped out of this Marlins series. Uh, if, it, if it weren't for some very poor plays at third by Prado today, the, the outcome may have been completely different. That being said, we now must look. What do you think is going to happen with that? What's important about this series? And, and let's start with you, Josh. Are the Cardinals still even a contender? Is there reason to hope? And what do you think is going to happen in this series? Tell us what you, what's on your mind. You know, it's hard for me to not have hope right now, and it's odd because I've been – I have fluctuated quite a bit over the last few weeks because this team has fluctuated quite a bit over the last few weeks. But we are one sweep away from being 500, which if someone told me that – a couple of weeks ago, I would have laughed in their face and told them they were crazy. But we're going to be facing a Mets team whose pitching staff has probably the worst luck on the planet, and they might have the worst training staff on the planet. We get to see Jacob DeGrom versus Carlos Martinez Friday, which back-to-back games for Carlos going against Max Scherzer and then Jacob DeGrom. The guy, the guy has got to just be like, wow, I'm officially the eighth now. These used to be Wayno's games. These are Carlos's games now. And after that, I'm looking right now, and the Saturday and Sunday games are both TBD because the Mets don't have the pitching right now because they have so many injuries. This team, if they can take Friday, has to think they're in a good position to take the rest of the weekend because who knows who's going to be pitching to them we're in a position to potentially be 500 or two games under, I would hope is the worst case going into the all-star break. And it's not like the Cubs and Brewers are blowing anybody away. I think when it comes to the series, it's all about our pitching, just being smart and avoiding Jonas Espedes, because apparently that's something that they've struggled with in the past. Just, you know, going, going into the series, I just think that, we have the right setup. Carlos is going. Wayno's going. I believe Lynn is Sunday. Those are the guys I would like to. And I, I'm happy with ending the ending the first half of the season on. And I think that I'm predicting right now. Write it down. Do what you got to do. We're sweeping the series, and we're 500 at the All Star break. Tito, that's very bold, very ambitious. And I'm going to agree 1,000% with it. The Cardinals will sweep the Mets this weekend. DeGrom is your biggest obstacle, obviously. The ESPN's projecting Montero and Steven Matz for the other two games. So Steven Matz 
you know, he's coming back off of injury too, so you know, he may not be right. But DeGrom is your biggest your biggest uh, threat here. He's pitched well recently. Martinez, you know, he suffered that big loss against Max Scherzer, but I think he's going to come back to, tomorrow and and take take that game. The Cardinals will have to play good fundamental baseball this weekend, though, because the Mets can score runs with a pretty good uh, uh, top half of their lineup. They also have to score runs, though. So they can't just rely on starting pitching to bail them out all the time. They've got to go into these games thinking, hey, we need to score some runs. We need to put up at least four to five runs a game to make sure that we give our starting pitchers a comfortable lead and give our bullpen a comfortable lead because you never know what could happen there. But what I'm looking for is Luke Boyd. He had a pretty good series against the Marlins. He's now coming into this uh, Mets series, and I, he's probably going to start all three, ser- or all three games. I'm looking to see what he can do the rest of this weekend and, and clo- to close out the All-Star break because that could be a really good indication of what the Cardinals might do at the trade deadline. If he continues to play well, he might himself be a trade candidate. And he might go in a deal that brings in Josh Donaldson or Giancarlo. But if he doesn't, that doesn't mean he's not good because he's proven today and the other in the last couple of days that he can hit. My concern then becomes is if he does play well, what do you do with Matt Carpenter and Colton Wong and Jed Jerko? That's an infield carousel that's not going to, you know, solve itself. You have to do something, and it needs to it needs to be solved. You have to solve it, and so I, that's what I'm looking forward to is seeing how Luke Voigt does this weekend, and what does that do to the Cardinals? Do I still think they're a contender? Absolutely. They're only three games uh, below 500. They're not that far out on the standings in the Central. I think Milwaukee's 48 and 40, and the Cardinals are 41 and 44, so they've got a couple games in hand as well. That's not that big of a lead still. You know, it's a a five-and-a-half game lead right now. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of baseball still to play. I I still think they're a contender. To your point uh, about, you know, Luke Voigt, this this roster is so oddly set up at this point where it's like there's no one that stands out where it's like you can't be benched because right. <laughs> Jed Jerko has been great. Of the four you mentioned, he's been the most consistent with his average. But then you look at Colton Wong when he comes off the DL and you look at our standings with him actually playing, they're by far – the best of any other player that we've had going of those four. And you mm-hmm. you know you can't bench Matt Carpenter because he's the leader of this team, essentially, when it comes to the offense. This this team is so oddly constructed. And that's odd for me to say because it's never been an issue before. So we have – and it's not just the infield is the problem because the outfield is oddly oddly done too because when Dexter Fowler comes back – Someone's got to go. Um, 
and for a yeah. while you think, all right, it's probably Jose Martinez of the group, but Randall Grichuk, my boy Randall Grichuk, who went mm-hmm. deep today again, Go ahead. Um, has you know he after his hot start he went he struggled again, and it's hard to it's hard to justify keeping him up even as a fourth outfielder when Jose Martinez has been just as successful, if not more. So there's there's some really interesting roster decisions to be coming coming up. Um, I think that the team's going to have a lot to think about during the All-Star break. Unfortunately for management, I don't think they're going to have much of a break. They're going to be a little busy figuring out what to do with, with all these pieces. Um, but I think what you need, what you know so far is Colton Wong and Jed Jerko and Matt Carpenter all need to be in the lineup. What you do going forward, does Luke Foyt get traded? Do you move Jerko or Wong in a trade to potentially get that piece? Because people keep talking about Josh Donaldson. If Josh Donaldson comes in and you move, say, minor leaguers to the to the Blue Jays, which would make sense because they're not they're not looking for MLB talent, what in the world do you do with all those pieces then? Because right. Jed Jerko is essentially out of a job, and you're not going to take over completely take over what Colton Wong is doing. I I do not envy the position John Mozeliak is in, but I would love to be a fly on the wall in all the meetings he's he's having. Boy, if I didn't know any better, I think you'd be reading my pieces lately, Josh. I've never read a piece of yours in my life. Don't act like that. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. So you, wait, I find wait, it interesting. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait. People read your pieces. I mean, I at least do. <laughs> Tito, Tito and his wife. Tito and his wife yeah. his pieces. Outside of that, we're not really sure. Yeah, I forced All right. Just, I just um, wanted to get that out there because I, I, I was very confused by that. <laughs> so it's interesting that you that you talk about Randall Grichik like that because if you read my latest piece about Randall Grichik, I actually call you out a little bit and say you are the – Grichik apologist, which is, you know, true. We've talked about it on podcasts before, and that doesn't change at all. Oh, there it goes. And uh, are you kidding me? Okay. So Grichik needs to, needs to be moved. It's just it has to happen. He's got to go. The Cardinals have to figure out what his value is to this team and the only thing that makes sense at this point is moving him. Yes, he's young. Yes, he's got this bunch of potential. But he just hasn't performed well enough to be on this team. If he keeps getting sent down every year to Memphis, what does, what does that say about him as a player? Forget John Mabry. What does that say about him? What does it say about his ability to hit major league pitching? Yeah, sure, he can catch a fastball every now and then and can crank it out. Is it worth two, 25 home runs for 250 average? Not, not in my opinion. I'd rather him hit 275 with 20 home runs. I would much rather have that and have a high uh, on-base percentage. So those moves need to be figured out at this point. And the Josh Donaldson move, again, I said it in my in my article. If you bring him in, that means you displace Jed Jerko. 
which means you have to find a place for him somewhere on the infield because his bat is too valuable, which means you move either Matt Carpenter or Colton Wong. And maybe that's why Matt Carpenter has been playing second base for, for the Cardinals prepping to make a trade and slide uh, Jerko over to first base. Maybe that's what it is. But that's the problem with these kinds of moves. And to your point, Josh, the roster construction, it just, it, it just seems to me that the Cardinals are prepping for something, but it is just so unclear what they're going to do that I, I, don't, I can't put my finger on it. Well, I, I have a you prediction. Know. And it, it, I'm probably wrong, and I'm okay with that. But I think you guys are, are really close to the target. And I think that you may be more in line and online than what you think. And I, I really feel like the Cardinals are preparing to send Matt Carpenter away. And I think the move of him going over to second so that Luke Voigt could come up and have his audition, his showcase, the move for Carpenter is to show a greater sense of value. Now, that being said, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Jed Jerko go. And I've been on the train, and I love Jed Jerko, but I've been on the train of saying Jerko should be traded while his value is high because we can actually pick up some stuff. Now, listen, I think that the only time Jerko goes is if you're getting Josh Donaldson, but I don't think Jerko's going to the Blue Jays. I think Josh Donaldson will come in a three-way trade with the Cardinals landing Donaldson, the Cardinals sending prospects to the Blue Jays, and the Cardinals sending – Jerko to somebody else who's sending some prospects to the Blue Jays or some configuration of that nature. So neither of those two would surprise me. It also would not surprise me to watch us uh, send Grichikov somewhere where he's going to land up in AAA in some organization. And it also wouldn't surprise me to see us, as sad as it would make me, to designate for assignment Jose Martinez. Even though these players have been – Playing well, I think these are going to be some very difficult and tough decisions that must be made in order to make the team better. And I'm, I'm just thinking that I don't think it's out of the question for the Cardinals to go out and pick up Josh Donaldson and John Carlos Stanton in order to make a push in this already weakened NL Central. Josh, what do you think? I think that if the Cardinals added Josh Donaldson and John Carlos Stanton, I would lose my <laughs> mind. And I'm not sure I would be able to take it. I would be so, so terribly happy. But I want to say, if we move Randall Grichuk, I am about a 75% sure that he would be Matt Adams and become successful somewhere else. But that's just me being, you know, a Grichuk apologist. But, you know, um, this this team's a frustrating one, and we've seen that – I don't know that there's clearly not a quick fix or it would have been done by now. Multiple moves have to be made. And I think one thing we're kind of forgetting is the bullpen. Um, The bullpen has pieces. The problem is some of those pieces are not good pieces. Um, Matt, Matt Bowman, I think is what is one of the greatest steals in Cardinal history. Taking him in the rule five draft, and him being so success, successful has been great. But the problem with Matt Bowman is Mike Matheny trusts him, 
and he trusts him so much he will constantly use him. And the guy gets tired, and then he goes out and lets up a bunch of runs, and people are like, why is he pitching? Matt Bowman is probably one of our most trustworthy pieces if he gets the breaks he needs. And then you have Sungwon Oh and Trevor Rosenthal, who have both reverted to the I need to hold my breath while they're pitching because something bad might happen, which is upsetting because they've, over the last year, they both had periods of being completely dominant. One interesting thing is Zach Duke, who had Tommy John surgery just eight months ago, is now uh, in AAA on his rehab assignment. That's That's a nice addition, but I don't think it's enough to get us where we need to be uh, Luke Weaver's a nice addition. I was glad to see them go with some youth instead of these random call-ups they've been having, like Mike Mayers, who I'm not sure belongs anywhere near a major league roster. Um, there's, there's, no, but they he, need did, someone... he did win minor league pitcher of the month. You know, that's that's great for him, but the two <laughs> separate times he's been up here, it's been kind of been pretty disappointing. Um, well, he it, is the you know, equivalent of Randall Grichik. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I don't love him like I love Grichik. I agree. Um, <laughs> um, I think that this team, if they, instead of, you know, doing the most amazing deadline ever and adding Stanton and Donaldson, um, I think they should focus on one of those and find a, find someone you trust at closer. Sungwon Oh and Trevor Rosenthal are perfectly fine seventh and eighth inning or, you know, just in mixing in there. But find someone who you trust to be that guy. And, by the way, I've talked about him multiple times. I wrote an article about him not too long ago. Brett Cecil has finally, finally had some success, and I am so happy. The guy's ERA is down below 3.5, I believe. So, you know, it's it's about time he's been good and I'm really glad that the that the uh history of Brett Cecil getting better when it heats up has finally come around. Okay, Tito, what what do you think about the outlandish proposition I had laid out there on the table? Not a chance in hell. <laughs> <laughs> it won't happen. That would be such a major depletion of your farm system that people would question your sanity for a really, really long time. And I'm questioning your sanity actually at this moment. But if it were to happen, yeah, it would be a great okay, so I, thing I'm, for the I'm Cardinals. I'm questioning my own sanity. Yeah, that's that's fair. It would be a great addition for the Cardinals. There's no doubting it. I mean, you're adding essentially a three-and-four hitter to your lineup, and Josh Donaldson could even slot in as a two. Um, But that probably wouldn't happen. But I I do want to revisit you thinking about uh, Matt Matt Carpenter going somewhere and him moving to second to increase his value. I mean, I don't don't think anybody – I don't think he needed to move to second to increase his value – I think teams know that he's a you know versatile infielder. He can play third, he can play second, and he can play first. So I'm not so sure that it, that's what it was for. But that doesn't change the fact that he still is kind of a ro- a logjam for this roster. Uh, or if you want to view Jed Jerko the same way, um, 
you know, I, the the trading Matt Carpenter, yes, would be a very, very uh, shocking thing the Cardinals would do. Um, but again, as I said in in an article not too long ago about him going to the Yankees, it's not that far-fetched. It really isn't. If you know baseball and you study the game, you would understand what I'm trying to say is that Matt Carpenter is a movable piece for the right price. And if the Cardinals were able to move him for the right price, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it would be great to see him and Josh Donaldson in the same lineup, but I could honestly see a case where Toronto's like, well, we'll take him for Matt Carpenter and somebody else or a couple other pieces. Then you really have a decision on your hands. You know what? That, I, I think that's very interesting. Um, I had not thought of Matt Carpenter going to Toronto, but I, I could absolutely see that happening without a doubt. And listen, I, I knew I was tossing out a really insane idea of getting them both. I, I agree with you guys. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think Matt Carpenter and or Jed Jerko will be with someone else before the trade deadline. Let's do that. Let's take one who. quick little break. I just don't know who. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know who either, and, and I, I can't pinpoint that quite yet. But let's do this. Let's take a quick little break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this very brief, brief episode 13. Totally my fault. Um, And when we come back, let's talk about what's going to happen after the All-Star break. Cardinals contending, new players coming, and a quick power ranking in in a way of of predicting power ranking. So, Stick with us. You're listening to episode 13 of the official Redbird Rants podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for sticking with us in a very abbreviated episode 13, unlucky 13, here of the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm Michael Miles, co-editor at Redbird Rants, joined by my co-editor, Tito Rivera, and one of our greatest contributors, Josh. And I had to take a, a deep breath there for you, Tito, since I had I'll built him up it. so much. Uh, he's wonderful. a wonderful person. Uh, he's, he is just sunshine and flowers. <laughs> so, thanks, man. Before the break, we teased that in our last five minutes or so, guys, I'd, I'd love for you to look ahead and look into your crystal ball and look past the All Star break make some pretty bold predictions here in these last five minutes and include in those, if you would, some power ranking for the national league central uh, or the national league in all. And, and let us know what you think is going to happen when the players actually return from what I call the worst time off of baseball ever. Let's start with you, Tito, since I said, Josh was great. (laughs) Okay. So, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I might be the only one on this one, but I'm going to say that the Cardinals will end up winning the division with 87 wins, and I think that is probably the benchmark that is probably going to be set at this point. I mean, considering where all the top three teams in the Central Division are, you know, they're playing almost even baseball. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Cardinals end up winning the division with 87 wins. 
and that they're going to go on to face the Los Angeles uh, Dodgers in a in a NLDS series starting in LA. And I think the Cardinals will go out and get a bat, and I'm going to say that it is going to be John Carlos Stanton. I think they actually land him and bring him to St. Louis and start the merry-go-round with the outfield because, sorry, Josh, Randall Gritchick's going to go. Okay, well, that's bold. Josh, what do you think happens? Give us your bold Randall Gritchick. Randall Grinchick's not going anywhere. First off, let's just <laughs> put that on lock. Oh, if I being any, a baby. Any, if I make any predictions ever, that's one of them. Everybody write it down. Tweet me. I don't care. He's not going anywhere. The Cardinals will add Josh Donaldson and then have to deal with a bunch of crazy potential lineups and defensive positionings, but they will add him. They will win the division with 88 games. And the Brewers will finally fall off in the second half after having a very, very solid first half. Congrats, guys. Uh, but the Cardinals and Cubs will be the ones battling after the Cubs go out and add a Sonny Gray or a Chris Archer. Um, and I think that they will be facing the Nationals to start because I think that the Nationals' injuries are going to be too much for them to take the number one seed in the NL away from the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will go ahead and face off against the wild card team. Um, But I think the Cardinals and Nationals will face off. Um, But until I see some continued success, I can't say anything past that. Um, It was awesome to see the Cardinals do what they did against the Nationals recently. But the Nationals still have some solid options to be able to move to make it – move on up, so I think that they can't be forgotten. Uh, along with those, I think the the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies will will be uh, hey, I, in the postseason. I got 